<laughs> you gotta pulling keep a, that in. Yeah, pulling a Donnie, no, cool. pulling a Donnie Burger. You know you what really I actually really wish I had done and thought of it right before we started, what? and there was no way for me to not do it. But if I just put like rant, if I hid beers in random locations, and then throughout this podcast I just pulled them out, or like Man. if I could as like a joke on you. And like, if I just had like a briefcase at one point, I was like, here, I need to check my notes for a second. And then I just opened it. And then it was just like a can of rolling rock. That is my note. (laughs) That would have been a really good bit that I just thought of uh, just now. So it's too late. (laughs) Well, save it for the next movie where uh, he plays a raging alcoholic. Does he again? I don't know, but he might. We've got a good chance. Dracula, perhaps. (laughs) Dracula in Hotel Transylvania. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. <laughs> um, I, I have a good bit. Let me see if this works, though. Okay. <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah, it didn't sound like a bong, did it? <laughs> oh, is that what it was supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be I a bong. You, it just sounded like I thought it was supposed to, me drowning. I thought it was supposed to be a beer. Because you went, oh, is that the, the oh, yeah, lighter? Oh, that was the like, lighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. Ladies, gentlemen, and gender-neutral fans all across the globe, welcome to the fourth Adam Sandler podcast. What's up? What's How up? y'all doing? What's up? Oh my god, another joke from the movie. I didn't even do that on purpose. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Is that god. a joke from the movie? Han Solo. <laughs> I'm doing a voice, but it's kind of half-assed. <laughs> I, I thought it was one of his better ones. <laughs> oh my god. It was, I mean, I'm doing even better than he was uh, doing. It wasn't even a Jersey accent. Uh, it was, Okay, maybe it was one of his better ones. We'll talk about that in a bit. So yeah, this week we are talking about That's My Boy, the 2012, what Wikipedia calls satirical comedy, starring Adam Sandler and Andy Sandberg. Uh, Chris, do you want to tell them about this one? or do you uh, need to... Sure, yeah, I'll do a little okay. something. Uh, okay, cool. Donnie Berger, that's his name? Donnie Berger yep. plays, well, we'll just start right off at the beginning. Movie, which we have to, I guess. Donnie Berger. <laughs> Let uh, me jump to the uh, end real uh, quick. Well, so anyway, they... <laughs> uh, at the beginning, okay, Donnie Berger. Uh, when we enter this movie, Donnie Berger is, I believe, a 12 or 13 year old boy uh, Probably, with a yeah. crush, or maybe, I think, yeah, with a crush on his teacher. Uh, however, uh, in this particular instance, it is uh, reciprocated. And he and his uh, 35 or so, well, maybe 20 something. Doesn't really matter. I'm going to anyway. say like, yeah, 20. I'm going to say 25. 25-year-old teacher uh, do, in fact, have a uh, relationship, uh, which that's the all we will talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's the last one you'll hear yeah. from this podcast. Uh, yeah, we won't be able to get to the rest of the plot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so anyway, uh, 
through I, this. I do want to say, I think he might actually be 16. I think he might be a sophomore because doesn't he pull up in a car at the beginning of the movie? I don't know. I think that maybe just this kind of... I, I want to say there was something in it that kind of implied that he was in you know, a seventh grade, but I don't oh really God. remember okay. it. Okay. All right, anyway. Uh, we can come back to discussing that if that is something you would like to discuss in this movie. Uh, for now, all you need to know is that there is a, a child, uh, and also this teacher uh, is impromptly sent to prison for, uh, I think, uh, 35 years or something. A long sentence. Maybe that's where I got 35 mm-hmm. from. Uh, anyway, yeah. there's a child. They do give the child to uh, Donnie and his father to raise Donnie's father, who you don't really see much in the movie. So the premise, Donnie is an irresponsible father being a uh, adolescent boy for some of the childhood. And then on into his, uh, he grows up into kind of a party-hardy uh, guy, but without any real like uh, ambitions or anything like that. Uh, for a while, he coasts by on uh, the fame that he achieves from uh, the affair that he has with his teacher uh, in this universe. Uh, apparently, that's something that uh, happens. <laughs> and so yeah. he coasts by a little bit as like a B-level or even C or D-level celebrity, I guess. Uh, and then kind of that you know, washes up, uh, and he doesn't really have anything else to do. Uh, the child grows into Andy Samberg, uh, wants nothing to do with him, creates a whole nother life away from him. Uh, and so then we enter into the present. Uh, Donnie Berger owes a bunch of money to the IRS for not paying taxes. Uh, and through some kind of scheme, he decides to, or he, he figures out that he can, he's offered money if he can get Andy Samberg, whose name is, Han Solo, but is going by the name Todd. Han Solo Burger, but is going by the name Todd. Uh, Peterson. Todd Peterson. Uh, if he can reunite his son with the teacher, his son's mother, who is in prison, uh, then he will get forty thousand uh, dollars. It's like a he goes on he knows it's like yeah. Jerry Springer guy and the right. Jerry Springer guy's like hey if you I, and your son and your your lady friend you know who's in prison if you can all have like a family reunion we can film it then I'll get you I'll get you your money yeah yeah uh, that seems a little bit high uh, in terms of how much money they'd be willing to pay for this uh, reunion yeah uh, but you know luckily that's the only unrealistic thing in this entire yes. movie yeah. is just that I think that they would probably offer a little bit less money. Cutting back in. We... What's up? Again. We're, yeah. 
uh, we're cutting, uh, we're coming back in. Um, we had some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, the sound might change. We're still kind of, I'm not in my usual setup here, so I'm kind of uh, creating how I want to record on the fly here. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying is something about... Uh, oh, analog. Yeah, I was saying something about... Uh, uh, so I cut off somewhere, only unrealistic part of the movie, $40,000. Uh, anyway, most of the movie, he's trying to rekindle a relationship with his son, uh, who he has to operate under the conceit. Oh, on the weekend of his son's wedding, uh, his son, Andy Samberg, Hans Silberger, Todd Peterson. Uh, and he has to also pretend to be his son's best friend because his son told everybody that his dad had died in an accident in which he exploded. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's exactly where we were. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, that's, that's pretty much the premise. Everything there's, there's like so much that happens in that backstory. Um, compared to other Adam Sandler movies, like the backstory is always a place to throw in some like defining moment, like, uh, an anger management. We got that, um, bit of backstory where the, the kid gets depanced. And so it kind of explains why, uh, Adam Sandler's character in anger management is, um, just kind of a wussy guy. Um, and, and, or like, you know, doesn't really have, have the guts that he needs. And hence Jack Nicholson comes along and helps him. Um, but this one was like, such there's so much to unpack in that backstory that it is almost like its own movie yeah (laughs) hence the fact that i guess that incident was made into a movie within the film itself yeah Um, and i almost yeah and i we're gonna get to this but it's hard for me to uh well we'll get to it i feel like for me, the movie is split behind between the backstory and then the rest of the movie in a big way too. Uh, so yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, I looked it up too, and he is fourteen years old. Uh, oh, okay, so, he's supposed to be fourteen in it. Yeah, which is eighth grade, so closer to seventh okay, than okay, it is okay. to and to tenth. And she's supposed to, she's supposedly twenty two. Um, okay. I think the key. I mean, the real takeaway from the whole thing, though, is that like. Love doesn't know boundaries, you know. It doesn't age. That's just a number. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked <laughs> up, man. I'm not gonna... I almost feel like I don't know. It's like one of those things where I could see myself watching this movie not for a podcast where I promised my friend I would watch it. And oh, what friend was that? Uh, his name's Todd. Oh. <laughs> Peterson. um cool i could imagine i could imagine like just sitting down to check this movie out and then within those first five or ten minutes just turning it off and just being like i'm not going to sit mm. through whatever this tries to like do or make meaningful oh man anyway we i mean uh, yeah the backstory okay the backstory is a different story that we'll get to later let's say okay and for now i will just focus on the present action which President is Action. Uh, the Donnie the, Brat oh Donnie I want to I keep wanting to call it Donnie Brasco but Donnie Berger that's rekindling Don, yeah. his relationship with his son yes Andy Samberg yeah Han so Solo we got Berger. we got two uh, two great performances here by Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg 
um, really doing the whole um, straight man comic duo. Yeah. Am I, am I right? Yeah. For sure. Um, so, you know, Todd Peterson is just kind of the repressed kind of, um, I mean, he's essentially the character from Anger Management, right? Like he's repressed, his relationship's suffering as a result, his work is suffering as a result. Um, he has some serious, uh, you know, issues that he that he needs to get over, but a lot of them stem from his relationship with his father. Um, and then Adam Sandler, you know, Donnie comes, Donnie Berger comes in and um, plays the friend, but at the same time they're reconnecting and trying to become closer. Um, all while Adam Sandler's character is like um, doing the worst things and the dumbest things, but for whatever reason, everyone goes along with it. And that in itself feels like some kind of trope that I don't know the name for, where a kind of strange character shows up and and the straight man recognizes that there's something wrong with this strange person, but no one else does. Everyone else thinks this strange person is really great yeah hey i like that i want to talk about that i gotta i want to check the levels real quick because i oh I sure switch something that i needed to so give me one second i'm gonna have sure. to stop the recording again, oh okay and we'll just come back um, into it do you mean to just keep running let me keep you running can just mine. keep running it and we'll just i'll just patch it together it's fine all right one second Open and appear. Oh my god, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> no, no, no. There was there was a shotgun in the movie. I mean, it's, that's true. That is it's true. Relevant. Yeah. I guess there were a lot okay. of things in the movie, though. It does, doesn't mean I need to make the noise for it. Um. Okay, so we are. You talked about. You say there's a trope in the movie. Yeah. Um. And and I don't know what this trope is, so I'll have to look into it. Um. Uh, before we record, whoops. Um, no, I, it had just kind of occurred to me that it was not just a kind of the straight man comic duo, but um, there there is something about like this stranger has shown up. This stranger is really wacky and doesn't have good ideas, and there's clearly something wrong with him. But no one else seems to notice except for our everybody. Main everybody loves him. Yes, which they didn't play out in the same way but there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of comedy movies where there's a straight man and then there's the terrible whoever who shows up yeah but everybody else loves them and only the straight man knows that they're terrible and the whole movie is them like be kind of being humiliated while this buffoon or whatever is you know the paraded yeah. yeah uh but they didn't really go too much and ultimately, I don't think the movie really spent a lot of time relishing in like Andy Samberg's humiliation, like I think some comedy comedies would. 
at least that was my take on it. Because I think ultimately these Adam Sandler movies have a much less focused uh, comedic uh, desire. Like there's some types of movies where the comedy is just humiliation or frustration or something that they just keep playing off of. But Adam Sandler movies are a lot more just like, eh, whatever we kind of feel like thrown in there. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> do a little bit yeah. of this. We'll and it, I mean, it's, that, it's definitely but... complicated by the fact that, like, Andy Samberg knows certain things about Adam Sandler's character. And, yeah. Um, you know, isn't isn't sharing those things. Um, I will say the one person who seems pretty much early on and then throughout the whole thing to see through Donnie is... Uh, uh, Todd Peterson's fiance, who's played by Leighton Meester, but I don't. Uh, what's her name? The fiance's I name. Mean, yeah. Uh, I can check that right now. Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Uh, so Jamie seems like she sees through it, and she she just has very low tolerance for for Donnie's fun fun loving style, um, which ends up kind of playing into the the plot itself because. Um, although it, you don't see it right away as the plot develops, um, we kind of slowly realize like, oh, she might not be as great as she seems. Um, uh, for me, I think it's a, I appreciated the fact that she couldn't stand Donnie because neither could I, but, uh, I think for the film itself, the idea is like, oh, she doesn't like this fun loving guy. Like she has problems with him. He doesn't fit into her worldview. Yeah. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Also. Yeah, I had, I had to ask myself that. <laughs> Pretty much the whole time I was watching that What's movie. What's wrong with me? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Yeah. Why do I do this? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I, 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 uh, I liked... Andy Sandberg's performance. Um, I think Andy Sandberg kind of just, I feel like he's just playing himself. Yeah. Um, but there were times that I laughed when he would say things. And I've just found, as we've been doing this podcast, I like when that happens. You know, somebody will say something and it's funny and, you know, gets a laugh out of me. It's like, hey, that was that was neat. I enjoyed that. Um, and And part of it is like he is, He's got some weird repressed issues, but he is someone who's super aware of it too. Like I feel like he's like processed it to a level that uh, you know Adam Sandler's character in Anger Management didn't. Um, so he can like comment on his own weirdnesses and you know insecurities and things like that um, and admit them. So yeah, all in all, just a role model for me, I guess. That's what I'm trying Andy to say. Sandberg in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, at, least at the beginning of this movie. At the beginning of this movie, I feel like a big, yeah. I remember what I was gonna say, which is that uh, I think a big part of this movie, too, and this kind of goes into a almost. Uh, this is the one of the recurring themes of uh, M. Sandler movies, which is that uh, Andy Sandberg learns to sort of appreciate who he is but also where he came from. Uh, Really, I guess he doesn't actually learn to appreciate who he is 
he learns to appreciate <laughs> who Donnie is and where Donnie came from yeah. and that he came yeah. from Donnie and uh, towards the end of the movie. Uh, and I kind of liked this. Uh, it was sort of the opposite of the evolution that is in a lot of these kind of movies where it's like at the end of the movie, they're like, okay, time to put the bong away or whatever. And now I'm growing up. But in this one, he sort of went the opposite direction. But I feel like it's still the idea is he grew to sort of be accepting, to sort of be like, this is where I came from. It's this sort of uh, sleazy, uh, but fun loving, essentially good hearted, I guess. uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a yeah, that's a that's a it's a pretty radical kind of way of looking at family that we haven't seen before because th- what this is actually saying is that family no matter how it may manifest is still family and that's what should be valued yeah yeah i guess so so it's still on some level has the same values as a lot of the other movies because they're always about family yeah. i feel like yes and deciding to sort of embrace your family uh i feel like often again as i said that embraces towards sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, like upper middle class domesticity or something. Uh, and this one, it's actually more towards uh, in a different direction, I guess, a different kind of family. Uh, it's it's unclear how uh, Adam Sandler's character changes to me, because I think, I mean, it's clear that Todd Peterson mm-hmm. learns to step away from his from his insecurities or from whatever need is like pushing those insecurities and to let loose and you know hit the bong now and then and you know run from the cops or whatnot um but does does donnie change in any meaningful way or is there a moment i mean i think within the plot there's a moment where he's like oh i i care about my son i should be there for i don't know i i'm not sure if there's a moment like that for him yeah that's it it's just that he i think he goes from it's not that i don't know you don't really get a sense like you get the sense that todd or han solo uh moved away from him and was like i'm gonna create a life away from you and he was sort of the sense i got the sense that I got was that he was sort of a passive in that, or that was more passive uh, acceptance of that. And uh, then now he's sort of like, no, I'm going to embrace my son. Uh, I love yeah. my son. I want my son as an active part of my life rather than just like, oh, yeah, I do have a kid. I wonder what he's yes. doing now, which is <laughs> I feel like that's where he was at the beginning of the movie. So that's gross, yeah. but... I do have somebody who might be able to give me some yeah. money. That's right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's and it, it does. I mean, it, by the but... end, it's it's not about the money. Yeah, and that's his evolution is to, I guess, be less selfish. Yeah, uh, you, you you have to take the movie at its own, on its own like values or its own face value or its own conceits, kind of to get that out of it. But yeah, yeah. There's um, because at the end, and there's this. It's, a little bit of a spoiler his big selfless act is oh i am going to go ruin my son's wedding <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. because sort of his moment of like crisis is like my son doesn't want anything to do with me i'm just gonna go let him get married 
But then he decides yep. ultimately, morally, he cannot allow that to happen. So he has to go ruin the wedding. And we can talk about the reasons why, uh, if you so would like to delve into that particular. Oh, no, it's fine. Not a, I don't feel like it's that of, relevant to of, the film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that or the backstory. All right. Um, instead, no, we can get to it in a second. I was going to just say that um, one of the other kind of plot points in this movie is that very early on when he finds out about the that he needs four forty thousand um, dollars his his lawyer is like hey or his accountant is like hey uh there's this race there's a marathon and this you know obese guy is running in it um he's got like what is it like i don't know how odds work but it's 80 to 1 odds i think and so he puts down like 20 bucks or something um and at the very end of the movie like they're all like celebrating that todd left his fiance and his job and there's no like no real crisis or anything no you know existential crisis which you would think would happen for the kind of character they established with todd peterson um, instead they're just hanging out at a bar todd peterson seems to have already rebounded and found somebody and uh, then on the TV, what do you know? The marathon's going on, and the uh, obese guy ends up winning. So, you know, Deus Ex Machina, everybody, everybody wins, and uh, Donnie gets the money he needs to avoid going to jail. That is, yeah. What about what about it? The end. Oh, okay. Uh, so, would, how what would you rate? I this feel movie? like uh, I feel like you <laughs> insist on calling him uh, Todd Peterson as opposed to his true name, Han Solo uh, Berger. And I think that that is representative of your uh, refusal to accept the lessons and values that this movie is trying to uh, teach you, Justin. Well, you know, family is all about imposing things on other people who have no say from the very moment of conception, even up to the naming of a person. So I think even though he ultimately rejects the name Todd Peterson, for me, he will always be Todd because that's the name he chose for himself. Shit. <laughs> but but doesn't he then No, Han Solo Burger is... <laughs> Han Solo is a much better name. I'll start saying that one. Han Solo Burger. Rolls off the tongue. It really it does. It also sounds like something Burger. you would order at a uh, a restaurant dur- if during Star Wars week or something. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I'll have the like Han when, Solo when, Burger. When the Hard Rock cafes all close yeah. down and and uh, Disney buys yeah, them up and turns Disney them cafe. into like the star wars cantina or whatever they call it mm-hmm. yeah i'll have the han solo I will burger go. it's got a lot of I'll barbecue have... sauce on it oh i bet it does yeah and wookie hair blaster fries on the side oh blaster fries what about a um like a, a milkshake a with like milkshake. a clever name <laughs> okay <laughs> that's the name of a character it is associated with Han Solo I was thinking maybe like um, uh, the the Kessel Run shake yeah Uh, yeah can you if you or I feel like the no that'd be the uh, that'd be the eating challenge you know so if you eat the burger in in this time yeah you complete the Kessel Run challenge yeah that's good 
and you get a free Millennium Falcon shake. Oh my god. <laughs> what a shitty prize for like doing permanent damage yeah. to your body. <laughs> How fast would you have to eat it? Four parsecs, Four parsecs. or whatever it is? Shit. What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. I remember looking it up once. I but... read somewhere that it's actually, it doesn't make any sense because parsec is a unit of space not a unit of time but i don't remember (laughs) or know Hmm. enough about that parsec isn't that part of a second isn't that what that stands for i don't know i thought he actually (laughs) i didn't know that was real (laughs) i did it in four part sex part sex yeah Yeah. parts of a second yeah a space second and yeah all right what else do you think about this movie dig that soundtrack um, oh had a yeah, lot of van soundtrack. halen in it a lot of van halen yeah um i thought the the intro kind of was the the most rocking intro we've seen so far oh yeah um, wasn't that just a, that opening that's def leopard probably probably I def yeah leopard. i actually don't even yeah. know um pretty sweet pretty sweet yeah uh is there anything worth well you know what and before we go into the uh child the um the backstory and then the the big reveal about the fiance what if we talk about some cameos okay that sounds great uh i don't yeah i think that's there were cameos in this movie Believe it or not, what? there were absolutely cameos in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have one you want to point out for, to kick things um, off? Or? I got the list well, right here. I don't here. know if you would call I guess you wouldn't really call it a cameo, but Milo Ventimiglia, who uh, was Jess from Gilmore Girls, he plays um, he plays Jamie's brother, who's like okay. a, a military guy. And I thought I thought turned in one of the better performances. And he's playing a character. I thought he was doing a pretty good job of playing a really intense guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was some there were some laughs. There were some laughs. There was laughter too. He was great. Yeah. Well, he was uh, good. <laughs> he was good. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll say my favorite then. Uh, sure. Maybe this is a little too obvious to really say it's my favorite adam sandler have you have you heard of this andy samberg guy no uh <laughs> the biggest one but i thought funny was uh vanilla ice as playing himself uh and also donnie's best friend because donnie was, a, was like a b-list celebrity and he hung out with celebrities on uh daytime tv and stuff like that and so he was uh friends with vanilla ice and Vanilla Ice shows up for a big part of the movie, actually, and they go on various uh, adventures and shenanigans together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, that guy steals the... No, he, uh, he was fine. Maybe uh, he just had some funny parts. I don't know. I thought he did. Maybe yeah, it wasn't was, that the joke. It, it wasn't that the joke was funny. That like, oh, Vanilla Ice. I mean, it's like the same joke they make in all of them, where it's like, what 
random celebrity do they plug in to show up? But and have uh, an adventure with. Yeah, I think that I think it was the extent that he doesn't just show up and be like, "Oh, what? That was Uncle Vinny or whatever, Vanny. I don't know." Yeah. But like, then he's like, "All right, I'm gonna join your guys's group now." And like do pretty yeah. much the rest. I'm gonna quit my yeah. quit my job at the skate or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh there's a part where they have to um go stop the wedding. Vanilla Ice and uh Donnie. And so they're driving. Uh, I don't remember why they have to get out of the car. Maybe the car breaks down or something, but they're like, They, oh, go, they hit a traffic run. jam. Oh, okay. So then they like they have to run and so then they both plug in uh a Walkman so they can listen, I think, to uh, Ice Ice Baby. And then they have, like, one pair of earbuds, so then they each plug in. One of them is wearing one earbud, one of them is wearing the other, and they're, like, running together holding the Walkman. That was funny. That was good, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. That was. I I do think there were were a good number of moments that were just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was glad to see in a comedy. Um, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of um snl yeah yeah i think uh, so previous snl cast so uh colin quinn is the announcer at the strip club yeah um where i for i don't know like the backstory of why donnie is always at the strip club or if there is one but yeah he's always at the strip club um so colin quinn uh, is the announcer there. Uh, Will Forte plays Phil, one of Todd's co-workers, and essentially just another Todd, but mm-hmm. like 10 years older. Yeah. But you can tell, just kind of a repressed guy. Um, his wife is played by Rachel Dratch, who's, I think, in her fourth Adam Sandler yeah, movie. Yeah, she's been in a few. Is that right? Yeah, it doesn't have much to do in this one. It's a no, lot more about uh, just... Will Forte here. Yeah. Um, Anna Gasteyer, uh plays the... They're like head masseuse when they go to the spa. I don't know who that is. She, uh, you know, I, I am blanking on the bits, any of her bits um, that she did. Oh. I kind of feel like I, she and Molly Shannon kind of blur for me mm. as I was growing up. Um, but I knew it wasn't Molly Shannon, but I think some of the bits from SNL, I, it was hard to tell the difference. Um so yeah, I, I don't know if there were any other SNL people in it, but good handful of them. Yeah, handful of SNL um, people. Uh, we've got James Caan. Uh, yeah. The uh, esteemed actor. Is it James Caan or James Kane? Oh, is it Kane? I don't. I thought it was Kane, but you know, I don't it's know. Spelled C A A N. I don't know. So. C A A N. Kane. Khan. Suzanne Sarandon is also in this one. <laughs> she is. She plays the uh, older uh, Mrs. or Ms. What? Mc- Teacher McGarkle. lady. McGarrickle. 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 McGonagall. McGarrickle. McGarrickle. Uh, yeah. Let's see. You want some more? We got Blake Clark. Yeah, coach from Waterboy, the dad yeah. in Fifty First Dates. Yeah. Hey, does he does he tweak his nipples in this movie? He might. I think he does, Why? and he tweaks his nipples in Waterboy too. Dang. Yeah. That's that's thick. That's some really thick level what a cool of, uh, motif. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? 
Uh, we got. Uh, He's trying to tell me something. Here's a familiar name. Uh, to- Tony Orlando. Uh, is a singer. He played. Yeah. He's in the movie. He's uh, uh, does... Todd's boss. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got the uh, uh, famous singer Sierra. She's yep. in it. She plays uh, Bree, the, of... the bartender at the strip club, the, and the daughter yes. of uh, Luanel, who's a comedian um, and a stripper in the show and the and the in the movie. Um, That's right. And yeah, also spoiler: Sierra, like I said, uh, you know, Todd very quickly rebounds when things end with his fiance, um, and he gets with Sierra. But I thought that moment where they have kind of like a montage at the strip club and they're all hanging out, Todd and uh, Todd and the guys. I thought there was like a moment where Todd and Sierra like had drinks together, and it was just immediately clear this movie is signaling that they're going to oh, get yeah. together. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Which I just thought was so well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she's only in like three scenes. Uh, one at the beginning, that one, and then a scene at the end. So uh, I just think it's effective that they were like, let's, without even going into it, let's make it really clear what's going to happen. So then we yeah. can just jump to it at the end. And she doesn't have to have any character development right. or really even exposition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good. That is helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, uh. A couple other, um, you know, Blake Blake Clark, somebody we've seen a lot. Nick Swarston yeah. is somebody uh, we've yeah. seen a lot, and he plays Kenny, the weirdo yeah. at the strip club who's just <laughs> weird. And yeah, that's about it. Um, Peter Dante shows up at the yeah, very he shows end. Up at the end to play steve's son yeah yeah a stoner yep um i've got on my notes my note is called wikipedia (laughs) but i've got on mine it's dennis dugan as a school janitor remember him no me neither i I don't remember remember his name because i thought he directed this thing before i looked it up no, um, somebody and else. You know what? A week from now, I'm going to think he directed it anyway. But apparently, yeah. it was Sean Anders, and it was written by David Casp or Caspi. It looks like uh, Sean Anders. What and did yes, I say? Yes, written by David Casp. I thought you said John. Oh, I'm just trying think... to get get things right for uh, when the, all the copies of this movie and the information about it is destroyed by yeah. our podcast. Being one of the and they uh, need to remake the movie parts of uh, from scratch, and this is the only thing culture. they have. See, yeah. they're gonna we put our podcast on uh, audio on like analog tapes and put, shoot it to the moon in one of those science uh, projects where they do stuff <laughs> and, like that, and then, and then blow up the big, moon. <laughs> yeah, then there'll be a big uh, apocalypse on Earth, and then they'll be like, okay, what do we have from human culture? Uh, well, we've got the Am Sandler podcast. Let's just get started and try to recreate some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just want it to be right. I don't know. So for whatever reason, in this po- post-apocalyptic world, they're like, let's make all of these really problematic, not particularly funny comedies again. <laughs> they're not going to have very much to draw from. <laughs> it's fair. If it's well, like Lisa Mad Max, gone. I get it. It's like, well, it's better uh, yeah. than what we have now. Right. Louis Armstrong gone. All the culture gone. These teenage Except boys for... are killing themselves as tribute. We have to do something. Yeah. We'll give them 
dumb comedies to watch. I like that idea. I was thinking they send our podcast to the moon and blow up the moon so that we no. can't hurt them anymore. <laughs> and the world was safe once again. Uh. Overwatch. Oh man, this one was tough. I don't expect anybody but an expert to notice. No. Nor no. am I even positive. <laughs> no. But I am... I would bet money that early on, uh, after the opening backstory scene, and when you have the montage of this kid getting older and being in movies and making money, there are a couple radio announcers and they're talking... And one of them is like, Boston's very own, Donnie Berger, he's my hero. That kid is burning through that money, but he's having a fun time doing it. And I would bet money that is Alan Covert. That is the voice of Alan Covert. I bet it is. Listeners, if you want to, or listener, Sierra, if you, the other Sierra, (laughs) the Sierra we know, if you want to test me on that, go ahead, but I'm pretty sure... I know that it's voice there. anywhere, as I've said yeah. in the past. I think it's real. I think Thanks. it's real. Thanks. It's um, he, you know, he did uh, produce this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier you mentioned the, uh, or he's one of the producers. Uh, earlier you mentioned uh, the writer, who is uh, David Casp. I don't know anything about him. Uh, I guess I could find out. Uh, but what I really want to get to is, this is something that I learned recently, which is that almost all of these movies... With the exception of probably like Rain Over Me, A Punch Drunk Love, and the more serious roles that aren't Happy Madison productions, basically. Uh, but in all the Happy Madison ones, Adam Sandler does rewrite the script or does a lot of extensive rewrites on it mm. that he then does not credit himself for doing. So he oh. has a huge, uh, he has actually a huge, and the same is kind of true, I think, with directing. I'm not saying he directs them, but I think he kind of. There, it's his creative vision with his friends. The, the son of a bitch that, is an auteur, you know? And yeah. I, we've talked about mm-hmm. that in the past, and, like, he just is. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, I'll make movies. I'm just the actor here, but my friends know how to write for me. I think he is, like, this big hand and like, this is what I want the movie to look like. This is how it's going to be. And then he has this various people that can help him envision that but i bet even a script that someone probably writes not knowing it's going to be an ab sandler movie then he takes it and then he's like we got to do this we got to throw in more references to the 80s we need to yeah. make the uh, love interest a teacher uh we need to uh, make sure that it starts with uh, a flashback to the 80s uh, yeah and so on and so forth yeah i could see that um yeah it'd be really interesting to see what kind of how complete of a script David Cass presented to the producers, you know, to what, where in the process it was, what draft it was on, because I could also just see it being like, here's the premise Mm -hmm. and that's it. And then you can go from there and figure out what you want. Um, But yeah, that, that's, that makes it a little bit harder to place blame for some of the really crazy shit that's in this movie. Um, 
Yeah. You know, do I it blame is hard. You David don't know who Casp, is. or do I do I blame Adam Sandler and team? Yeah. I don't know. Or do I blame no somehow. one? Do I just accept that everyone has their own way of navigating this life? It's an ugly old world out there. You can't. It sure uh, is. You can't hide from it forever. That's so true. Yeah. I thought this would make a good video game. <laughs> yeah, now, that may sound so weird, I... but yeah, I don't know. I just was kind of imagining like a turn of the twenty first century ps2 video game where you are at various points like todd or donnie and you just have to like figure out what to do in each level of the game and then like it's more interactive that way so you're not just like sitting and watching it i don't know it was just a thought what are you trying to do are you trying to like dodge the family members or something or like in this Donnie has to find his beer, but he's at the wedding party and he hit it all over it. And you're like, okay, I'm running. He's like, oh, he hit it in the neighbor's backyard, but they have a dog. Yeah. So you have to hop yeah. in. It's like, oh, shoot, there's a dog here. And then you hop back out. And then you so ran. that would, yeah, that could work where it's like the whole game, you're just like trying to find beer tokens or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, and like stay drunk. And like, if you don't uh-huh. stay drunk, you die. Um, <laughs> I was I, I don't I don't really know what I meant when I wrote that a few days ago, <laughs> but yeah. I did say this would have made a good video game. What would be a Todd Han Solo, Andy Samberg? What would his levels be? What's he trying to do? Oh, uh, I don't Hold know, on but to sometimes some modicum of uh, his dignity. I think so. Yeah, and sometimes he like he uses his underwear as like a weapon. Huh. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I have not thought it through enough, but I, I like that we're just kind of spitballing here and trying to see if we can come up with something. Um, maybe like, uh, you know, you can like call out and, and Vanilla Ice comes in and like helps you out for a second and then goes away. Like, you know, one of those characters that just like jumps in to do something yeah, cool yeah, yeah. and leaves. I thought that could be cool um that's the scene where they're like racing to the wedding i thought would be a great place to like a great level on a video game where you just have to like you're driving your car and trying to like dodge everything and then you have to get out of your car there's nowhere else to go so you just have to run um maybe like a grand theft auto type game but more more located at a wedding (laughs) and also you don't steal cars or shoot people right yeah you just gotta you gotta find donnie's beers yeah find my beers is what he'll say sometimes yeah F- find my beer ah, i can't do his voice find- i already i lost it yeah i did too I can't remember how it goes <laughs> yeah there's my boy find my beers yeah there it is something like that That's um, great. so yeah what did you think about how the backstory is uh statutory rape that was funny. Uh, well, what do you think about it? <laughs> uh, I thought it wasn't funny. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> and that uh, it, well, you know, I know South Park did that, jo- did an episode about that joke. Like the I joke think, being yeah. that like boys actually like when they are taken advantage of. I don't know. By older was people. Was that, I, I don't remember that episode enough. 
was it that were they doing this joke, which is that, or were they making fun of this joke? Um, like, because well, that... they always had like, it was about. Uh, I remember this episode, but I don't remember it that well. It was Kyle's little brother Ike? Yeah. Who's like five years old or something? Yep. And he's having an affair with his teacher, or do you even call it an affair? He's being abused by his teacher. Um, right. But uh, then when they tell the cops, the cops are just like, nice. Yeah. And I feel like it was making fun of people's reactions more than it was. I think that's what South Park is always doing, is like trying to play. I mean, yeah, it's like the stereotype is there. We know the stereotype is there. We're yeah. going to give the stereotype, but we're, we are actually making fun of the people who think the stereotype is funny or who yeah. buy into the stereotype. I think that's what they're always doing, although to varying degrees of success. Right. Um, whereas this was just like... It was just playing into it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. There is nothing right. nothing bad. As far as we can tell, nothing bad happened as a, as a result of this. You know, Donnie's character is not stunted because of the trauma of the statutory rape he stunted Mm -hmm. because he was a teenager who became famous and fame you know spoils people and turns them into monsters within the you know so i yeah um yeah it was it was weird i thought (laughs) it was pretty weird well yeah it's yeah um and I feel like, uh, so in addition to, I mean, it also plays into that stereotype. I mean, the whole idea, uh, and the, the listener's probably familiar with this idea or whatever, where it's like, oh, guy, like, what, uh, people, or what, uh, adolescent boy doesn't want to, uh, sleep with his hot teacher or whatever. Uh, and it, you know, it plays into the idea of like, like I was trying to think how to put it. Cause it's kind of, it's almost complicated because, uh, the stereotype of men is like, which ends up being coming part of the, uh, like a patriarchal norm, which is that, oh men, uh, they need sex. They want sex. They have to fuck all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so then it's applied to like, even like this 14 year old boy like yeah he wants to fuck his teacher he's a guy and so then and at the same time that it's showing like a a boy can't be abused in this way which is of course untrue uh and then it's like also kind of hand waving of like and also men need to seek sex all the time so when they act in predatory or exploitative or abusive ways that's just kind of part of who they are. Mm-hmm. So it like so even so at the same time as uh, excusing uh, abuse of uh, or like excusing male victims of uh, predatory behavior or yeah, child there's abuse no or such at yeah, the there's there's time, no such thing as a, a yeah. male victim, and there's right. also no such thing in this logic by this logic of like a male perpetrator because it's not their fault. They yeah. are just men, and that's what men and do. I don't, I don't think the movie necessarily made that leap, but I think that it's all kind of leads into the same 
uh, weird uh, idea where like, so even just by demonstrating part of the idea, it basically endorses the whole idea, which is just, uh, I don't know, it excuses all kinds of uh, bad things in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just which norms, I, I think I it's guess. it's like, um, and that's the that's the thing that like goes unsaid, right? Like the the unsaid kind of consequences of this kind of thinking, or the you know ripple effects of this kind of thinking, and, and that reminds me of the you know the moment in Grown Ups where all of the men are ogling the 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 young women who are like fixing mm. the cars. I think Rob Schneider's daughters show yeah, up yeah, and, yeah. and all the men are just sitting there like facing the daughters and ogling them. Uh, and it's like, this is just what, you know, you know, you know, middle-class men are is. supposed to, yeah. Be, being a, being a dude, you just, you know, you check out the ladies and that's just part of it. Um, and yeah, not really imagining like kind of the consequences of endorsing that kind of behavior, like what it really reaffirms. So yeah, I think that's that's that feels exactly right. I hadn't thought about the 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 kind of way it fits into patriarchy into the patriarchy, right. but that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I just think it's like a weird reversal where it's like okay, this guy, uh, or we simultaneously don't accept that men can be uh, abused in this way, and also through that same logic excuse the uh, abuses of men. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of, I feel like a uh, problematic figure that we now know that he is, uh, Gino Diaz, is also kind of writes about that in some of his uh, short fiction as well, I think. I, I think so, yeah. But that's kind of one of his ideas that he kind of comes back to is like, one of his characters is... Uh, uh, also has like a little bit older, but has an affair with an older teacher. Uh, and then later on, and is like, that character I think is like, I have to, it's a long time since I read it, but that character I think might be kind of like, I have to go through with this affair because I am a man. Men can't be exploited into sex. Men need sex. Men want sex all the time. I have to go along with this. And then later grows up and is like, I have to be a womanizer now. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, kind of a yeah. side note. <laughs> yeah. One, I, I mean, I feel like one of those writers who, I don't know, can like diagnose the problem, but may not be ready to like fix it when it comes to outside right, the fictional yeah. universe. Um, sure. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else about the backstory or should we now talk about the other elephant in the room, which is the kind of, climax of the movie um well i do think like by its own by the uh law by this like fucked up logic of patriarchy or whatever i see why someone would like this movie is like a in the same way that you can point to a superhero movie and be like this is someone's fantasy like an adolescent fantasy in some ways, this whole movie, I feel like, is also that. Just a different adolescent. <laughs> Specifically Adam Sandler. <laughs> but yeah. uh, one, can, one can imagine. But, like, you know, because that is, like, I guess that's what makes it hard. Or, like, I, I, I get, or I, I'm familiar with the, like, the fantasy aspect of that as well. Uh, it's just, you know, 
it ends up playing into this bad or this all this toxicity that's in the real world but then you if you just look at it purely from the fantasy like oh here's a 14 year old boy oh he gets to nail his teacher oh and then he grows up and becomes famous oh and then he just gets to party his whole life and whatever and like everywhere he goes there's like some kind of 80s metal song or something playing and his best friends is is, is a vanilla ice so i don't know there's this very fantastical element to it as that's, well that that's I think someone's dream it. yeah yeah i think not, I think not right. even a dream but just someone's like idol fantasy yeah uh the same way that like iron man is like a fantasy uh but then you know, the reality of Iron Man is what? He's like part of the military industrial complex or something. I don't know. That's a different podcast that we, we're not going to do. But, um, you know, Get. so like even with these fantasies, so I guess that's why. I, I yeah. That's I, why I you like it, it so that. much. That's why I love this movie is because yeah. I'm like, that's don't take it so seriously. It's a fantasy. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I can view it through this lens as well. Well, I can acknowledge both and be like, well, you know, I can see why you might have thought that was a good or a fun thing to put in your movie, being as there no one involved in these movies, I think, has... I don't think the people that make these movies if buys into the notion that the culture that they put into the world has a effect on the world. Yeah. Or if they do, then they're like, yeah, of course... That's why I always put a message at the end that you should right. always About put family. family first. Yeah, that, we just want to make people laugh and want them to love their families. That's all. Yeah, yeah. What, however so, your family looks. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to say just like thinking about kind of how this operates for the patriarchy, like the young men, you know, mm-hmm. it oper- you know, it affects them in a certain way and then it affects older men in a certain way. And then I think for women, there are some interesting things that are happening um, in the movie in that regard. Like um, the fact that, uh, so Peggy Stewart plays the grandma mm-hmm. Um, and the grandma is someone who used to be really attractive. Um, she's still, you know, beautiful woman, but a, a much older woman probably in her, you know, eighties. Um, and, she is made into a sex object and ends up sleeping with Adam Sandler's character and sleeping with Vanilla Ice and Adam Sandler and things like that. Um, but it reminded me of the what we had talked about with You Don't Mess with the Zohan, where it's like even older women ultimately just want to be objectified. They just want mm-hmm. to be objects of male attraction, uh, you know, and, and objects that men are attracted to. Um, which you know, it's like there's there's no what what else can you be within kind of a very heteronormative patriarchal kind of logic that that a lot of these films operate within, um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing was that Jamie, the fiance, Leighton Meester's character, she here's uh, here's spoiler right. Well, not quite oh, yet, okay. <laughs> but we'll get right to that. But she, um, so she that like the first moments where we have our doubts about her are because of the way that she is controlling with Todd. Yeah. And I thought it was really fascinating that like women in, in this movie are allowed to hook up with sleaze balls and like, that's just funny and not a big deal. But what women aren't allowed to do is actually take control 
and dictate the life of, say, their very repressed boyfriend or fiance and try to get him to, you know, kind of live into a, a fuller version of himself. Um, so mm-hmm. I just thought it was was interesting that like the movie really wanted us to wanted to signal to us that, hey, she's being bossy to Todd, so we shouldn't like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but love's a different feeling, up. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um also the big reveal that is uncovered is that Jamie and her brother are actually having sexual relations and have been for a long time and do so the night before the wedding and Donnie ends up catching them in the act uh, and yes. then reveals it to Todd Peterson to Han Solo Berger the yes. day of the wedding at the wedding right before Han Solo Berger says I do mm-hmm. so nothing really more to say there what, just, oh what do you think about that I didn't like it again oh no yeah <laughs> again yeah even that even that I thought okay you know something's wrong with me then you know, <laughs> if I don't if I don't think this is funny yeah yeah uh, I don't know, just, I I saw it coming, I guess. I didn't see it coming, like, super early on, but as soon as they were, he was driving her home, I was like, oh, this is gonna be the kind of straw that breaks the camel's back. Like, we don't know, we don't really get why he's, yeah. why he can't marry this bossy they need, woman. Yeah. Uh, they need some big reason to yeah. justify it. They need um, to villainize her completely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which also it portrays uh Yeah, it portrays it as like something that you're like, "Ah, oh, they're weird. <laughs> That's no good." Or like yeah. it portrays it as like an unacceptable taboo. But without really, I think but not portraying what I think often is the reality that is what I think in my opinion makes it an unacceptable taboo which is in reality, uh, I think most of the time it is also tied to abuse. Yeah. Uh, whereas, uh, and like that to me is why it should remain taboo. Uh, but the movie doesn't like touch on that. It just makes it like, oh yeah, they just were like, they turned uh, 31 and then they're like, well shit, let's, we're all of a sudden attracted to each other, which I don't know. So it portrays it. So it both whitewashes it while maintaining the taboo. Which, yeah, just know, completely divorced not, from yeah. the reality of... I mean, and that's what this whole movie is, and maybe maybe we're getting to some, at something like the heart of comedy or something, but it's like totally divorces this act from the context it exists in. Right. And there may be a way to make... I don't know. I'm not going to sit and brainstorm, but like there may be a way <laughs> to make the backstory funny and to make yeah. the like incest story funny mm-hmm. it just didn't happen in this movie uh yeah. I, it, I find it really hard to imagine that it could be funny but it's like this definitely the way to not make it funny uh to me or to is like to not i don't know to not when you're not doing it justice like when you're not speaking to the reality of the situation um 
yeah, I'm kind of rambling, but there's just, there's, there's something really, really frustrating and, um, like disingenuous and like anti artistry to go in and to like have something like that and to just make it be the, the joke but like yeah. the joke in a way that it's just so superficial, which, yeah, as I'm saying, and I'm like, isn't that every single like fat phobic, transphobic, ageist, you know, racist joke in every one of these movies? Isn't that the problem that like they're not actually putting it in the context um, that that makes it actually have meaning that it, they're just like stripping it from that so that they can point a finger and laugh at it? Yeah. Yeah. But you were like, you kept, when you were watching it, you kept sending me like LMAO and like the cry laugh emoji. For sure. So you thought it was funny. So, I mean, I guess just different strokes <laughs> for different folks. Absolutely. Do you, do you like how uh, he kept pulling different beers out of different places? Like he pulled a beer out of his I did. shoe at one point. Yeah. I think. yeah. That was pretty funny. That was funny. <laughs> I was hoping when we did this episode, you would do something like that and just oh, be cracking God. open beers left and really right. That would have been really funny, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Damn. I was hoping I would do that too. Um, There's always wanna... next time. Yeah. In my notes, uh, this is just for fun. Um, me and Cynthia brainstormed all the different uh, movies in which Adam Sandler's uh, character has a romantic interest uh, with a teacher. Oh. Uh, and so we got 50 first dates. I believe she was a preschool or kindergarten teacher. Yeah. She doesn't, though not active in the movie because she is just repeating the same day over and over again. Uh, we have Billy Madison, of course. Yeah. Uh, just go with it. Bedtime stories. And uh, that's my boy, if you want to count that, though that obviously has its own uh, whole like set of worms, which if you're interested in a discussion about that, you can... Uh, Listen to the earlier part of the podcast. Uh, to those of you who are just joining us, as I assume most of you are. Uh, because we're recording this the, uh, live on ham yeah. radio. Well, I just assume people want to hear the recommendation part. Oh, um, gotcha. We also have uh, Mr. Deed's uh, school nurse. Oh, her fake yeah. her fake job. Oh, is that her fake job? That's yeah, she's right, a journalist. She tells but... like a wild story. Yes. And she's yeah. like, oh, yes, the time that I set somebody's cast or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a. That's enough to be a trope of the Adam Sandler movies. What is it about yeah. teachers? I don't know. They're just wholly good, even when they're committing sexual that's, assault. That's it. I think, yeah. But I think that's it. I think that they represent goodness uh and of course we could talk uh it's a, a bit of a uh, sexist stereotype as yeah. well yeah. uh but uh yeah i think they do represent goodness children seem to represent goodness in the adam sandler universe uh and i i guess they're removed from any kind of corrupting or cynical influence uh, and to again go into the backstory of that's my boy, uh, even her motivations in the universe, the very fictional and unrealistic universe of uh, 
the movie, she was motivated by pure love or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, the, yeah, I, I said it earlier kind of as a joke, yeah. but like it says at the, at the end, someone says love is a different feeling. It's like right. a, I think that is kind Donnie of weird says justification that. for what happened. Yeah, and and you know the bad guy, kind of like the bad adult in the backstory isn't the teacher, uh, but it's the dad, the the kind of and, and who's just kind of yeah. like not ever really in the picture, right? Uh, who never really shows up, but kind of serves as like the actual bad guy, the actual yeah. problem. Yeah, he uh, beats on. Uh, young Donnie Berger. Oh yeah, he keeps saying that. My dad's gonna of, beat yeah. my ass. Yeah. Yeah, which is a kind of abuse the movie does not uh, excuse, though it does not also delve into very much either. But yeah. At the very least, it's not like, and that's what made me a tough guy. <laughs> Kids these days, they don't get whooped. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, would you say that you would recommend this? movie there's one aspect that we have not mentioned oh sorry sorry that i think is worth mentioning which is that this is a rated r movie uh yeah. very raunchy lots of swearing and uh bodily fluids uh sex jokes as you can probably tell from having listened to this uh throughout the movie which uh up until this point i guess with the exception of like bulletproof and uh going overboard and uh, uh, Punch Drunk Love, <laughs> but with the exception of these random ones, uh, all of his com- all of his big comedies were PG thirteen up until this point. Uh, and I think, I think all that's... of them are after too, aren't they? Uh, I don't know because then we get into. Uh, I mean, we've watched the Do Over. Yeah, that's true. Which the ne- I guess uh, the Netflix yeah. era is a Netflix. is probably going to be its own thing. But mm-hmm. I, I noted that this one was said uh a, a commercial and critical failure uh, yeah didn't recoup the the money it cost mm-hmm. to make it and um has soon, widely cons- widely considered one of the worst movies of all time yeah yeah i wonder why was he just past his past his heyday or was his audience not able to get into a rated r movie even though <laughs> It would have been a new generation of 12-year-olds. Are you wondering why it didn't make enough, or are you wondering why yeah, it's I'm considered why... the worst movie of all time? No, no. Oh, okay. Uh, I know that it's just critic snobbery that's considered one yeah, of the worst movies like, of all time. Yeah, I was like, we've talked about this. But, uh, uh, they don't get why it. It's, yeah. I'm just wondering why it, didn't, uh, why it did so bad financially. Yeah, because it like it's very much just... The hangover. What's the difference? Like, yeah. I don't know when the yeah. hangover. When did the hangover come out? Around this time, I think. No. 2009, maybe? 2009. I don't know. Maybe it's just too late. You know? It's like the hangover already did this and they did this, it with yeah. twice the ca- twice the number of cast members. 2011 yeah. is the hangover 2. Oh. Oh. Um, okay. uh, and, and then, then 2013 uh, is the hangover. What this movie three. makes me think of is. Uh, the uh wedding crashers oh mostly because of the wedding part of it <laughs> also very raunchy and, and how they crash it yeah yeah that also um which i think was that came out when i was in high school so like 2005 2004 2005 yep something like that uh but yeah i guess 
the 90s were like the heyday of PG-13 comedies uh, with, and I, I, I say that, I bring this up every now and then, I, get, I must have read it somewhere <laughs> a long time ago. In fact, I think when the movie came out, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, the start of kind of Judd Apatow movies, Yeah. I, I, I think I read when the movie came out, looks like we're getting rated R comedies again, or maybe American Pie too. Mm, I have a narrative yeah. in my head where the 80s were like a heyday of rated R comedies. The 90s, it kind of I think you mentioned that, yeah. Again. And then in the 2000s, they were rated R again up until now when it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Because people only watch YouTube. Yep, exactly. Which is, there are no comedies. There are, there are no comedies, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> were there it ever? May all be, it may all be rated R, but nothing is funny. No. Not a thing. But, um, uh, yeah, so maybe it was. Maybe it's just a little bit actually past the trend. Because I think he did so, make and I, I think it's... Because he 13 movies all through the 2000s, which is when everyone else was making uh, rated R movies, including Adam Sandler with uh, the funny people. So, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it very well could be the Happy Madison people being like, well, and maybe they'd been making some rated R movies before, like grandma's boys rated r that was like 2003 That's or 2004 true. or something yeah, yeah. Um, but you know maybe they're like maybe we can you know the hangover has tested the waters it was a big success mm-hmm. maybe we can push this out into the mainstream and and try to do a rated r one as well but i think it's partly like a mix I, it's it's kind of it's like the different uh different styles of humor and i think this mm-hmm. one was still one that's like rated r but still trying to say something and i think if from what i can remember of the hangover like probably wasn't one trying of, to say anything yeah one of the merits of it is that it doesn't try to communicate anything uh except party time and how funny that is <laughs> maybe i don't know i bet there's a man i bet there is a moral in there i can remember the, the, the guy like i don't this, remember though uh in uh, what's his name he plays andy in the office but his his whole thing at the end is like Ed helms is that Ed helms yeah he's like you know i am a man and i can marry your daughter and that seems to be something and then it's also just about like being buddies but there's yeah. a difference between being buddies and being uh, family and, and the hangover yeah. is all about how like you can still be buddies even when you're getting married whereas this kind of had a message mm-hmm. like you can't marry this hoity-toity family and still be and still be part of this other family you have to come mm-hmm. over here and, and like hang out at the strip club um yeah but yeah that's yeah. so yeah the the rated r thing it, it didn't work out though didn't work out for him and it could also be you know we're we're looking at 2012 where um I think Rotten Tomatoes started getting really important for mm-hmm. at least me. I was like really yeah. interested in what Rotten Tomatoes had to say and what critics had to say. Even though I consistently disagreed with them, I found myself continue, continuing to look up Rotten Tomatoes ratings and be like, no, that's not right. Yeah. You know? Um, so I could see that being, you know, if I was still interested in Adam Sandler and, you know, saw that it had a 1% or I don't know what it has on Rotten Tomatoes, uh-huh. but really low score, just thinking, oh, that's not going to be funny, which yeah. technically isn't really true. Just because it's an awful movie doesn't mean it can't have some moments of humor in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's us. We're why it didn't do bad. We just we grew uh, up. We grew up. We outgrew him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why? Why? Why not just stop doing comedies? You know, why not just do all serious roles? We like him in the serious roles. Because he doesn't make movies for us. He makes movies for himself. Oh. And I think that's uh, beautiful. Well. And selfish. Make more movies for me. <laughs> That's right. You bastard. You um, beautiful, selfish bastard. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was watching uh, behind-the-scenes footage, uh, not really with any commentary, just random behind-the-scenes footage from this movie before we started recording. It looked like a lot of fun. I like, bet, I man. literally... I don't think they think... I think they're just like, let's do it. Let's yeah. just make this movie. It's fun. If Adam Sandler called you and he was like, hey, Chris, we want to want you to be in this movie, in their next movie that we're doing, would you do it? Yeah. Would you? Yeah, but I would be like, I, I'm only doing it if Chris is in it, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that, you wouldn't say that? No. You would just freaking throw me under the what? bus. Yeah. Wow. What, be like, oh yeah, well my friend Justin has to be in it. That's a good way to lose my cameo. That's fair. <laughs> okay. And so if they ask me, I won't say anything. I'll just say, yeah, no, I'll you... do it. Ah, oh, shit. What? I thought you were my bud. Okay. No, you're right. I'll stick with it. I'll, I'll invite <laughs> you. Uh, I'll insist that you're in it, too. No, you're um, right. We'll make a pact. I'll insist that you're in it, too. Okay. I kind of wanted to tweet we'll at be the Alan podcasters Covert. that get killed yeah that'd be cool <laughs> movie and the very meta like urinated on <laughs> movie yeah when when adam sandler the adam sandler film crossing the plane which is about yeah. how all of the movies are interconnected um i almost tweeted at alan covert to see if uh he was in this mo- if he was the announcer but i didn't yet but maybe we should see if he would want to be in in one of our episodes and do like a little interview with us it's it's it seems possible. It's definitely not <laughs> it impossible, seem, and I that's it usually seem impossible. That's yeah. usually what I go with when it comes yeah. to decision making process. There you go. That's not that's not logically impossible. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> so would you um, recommend this movie? Um, if there's unless there's like, something else you want to share. No, that's it. Uh, okay. Well. I think I thought it was funnier than you. I think that I was able to uh, turn off the, uh, or just kind of ignore the problematic parts. Because I went into the movie just knowing that that was there. Yeah. And just being like, obviously, I don't know. To me, it almost seems like it's so obvious that that shouldn't be in the movie or messes that we're getting that it's not even detracting from the rest of the movie but i know that's not where we're at in the rest of the world no so, yeah like, like you can compartmentalize kind of like yeah, yeah i just compartmentalize it completely but i know that first of all there's probably there's lots of people that can't uh for various reasons their own experiences uh they can't just ignore stuff like that uh and then there's also uh if you sometimes i do read the news or look at the world around me or look at who the president is or things like that look at who the supreme court is and realize that uh uh, we're not, uh, we're not past having to debate the, uh, whether or not to put the, uh, hot teacher fucks a 14-year-old Yeah. joke in the movie. We're just not there. We still have to have these conversations. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, 
But yeah, but for my own personal viewing, I can compartmentalize that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I thought the rest of the movie was, in some ways, I actually uh, enjoyed it more maybe than The Wedding Crashers or than The Hangover. And I think it's because it was dumber. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Which I thought so. It was kind of funnier. Those movies <laughs> weren't smart enough or dumb enough for me, I think. That's so hard take. to tell. Yeah. Whereas this one, I think, was just like, oh, I know exactly what this movie is. This is going to be so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I did uh, kind of enjoy uh, a good portion of the movie. Uh, if you want a really raunchy Adam Sandler movie, uh, I don't know that you have a better option. Uh, I think it's better than the sad. That's actually really sad to me. Yeah. That there's not a better option. That that yeah. might be the the greatest injustice of this film is that it's this single yeah. raunchy, super raunchy Adam Sandler movie and it's just sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's not better. Yeah. Um I think this might be a fun movie to put on at uh if you're having like a drunken college party. Oh, in, okay, you have a year uh yeah. 2012. This is good because you haven't done a drunken college party time yet. You've done like no. your hangover Sunday. Mm-hmm. You've done kind of like your Tuesday evening movie. I think there was a there might have been a Thursday morning movie in there somewhere, but I don't think we've heard Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. But not yeah, not Friday like a Saturday Friday night. Saturday date night, but like a no. Friday or Saturday yeah. party. I think this is the movie that you put on. Okay, you're a college kid. Uh, you're going to go hang out with your friend because he's got weed or booze or whatever. Or both. Uh, or both, probably. Uh, and you're like, at that, you're at the age where that is all that really needs to exist to cement a friendship. Uh, so you're like, I'm going to go hang out with this dude's in his dorm. <laughs> in his dorm room. Uh, yeah. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to put on a movie. Uh, so he puts this on. I think and then he's like, are you 30? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, if you're me, you're like, dude, take a shot. Chill, bro. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, go ahead. You, you know, were weaving think, a really yeah, beautiful tapestry. I think, I wanna... uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can watch that. And then he pulls out his uh, very large glass bong. That he uh, oh. always has ice cubes in oh. to make sure the smoke is real. Yes, uh, smooth on the way oh. down. Oh. And then yeah. I didn't know you knew Tobias, man. That dude <laughs> fucking ruled. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, Tobias. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I want to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually well, do want to watch it now. Um. Anyway. So yeah, that's uh, that's my that's, that's my fair. Take. My my, my take is the opposite <laughs> of everything you said. Although I respect I respect everything you said, but mine is the exact opposite. Um, just like play it backwards, and that's my thing. But uh, the movie I was thinking about that this one reminded me a lot of actually was Honey Boy, the uh, oh. Shia LaBeouf written uh, oh, and I think shit. directed movie that came out last year. Okay. So if you want a movie about like a father-son relationship that has a lot of humor, but like does justice to a lot of these things around like 
drug addiction and abuse and negligence and stuff. Um, yeah, it's such a such a good movie. Highly recommended. A little weird for me to be recommending it on this podcast, but I don't know. It was just there. I I also think there are just some enough parallels that I wanted to recommend it. Honey boy. Yeah, got to check what it out. What about this movie? Oh, uh, no. Ah. <laughs> no, ah, no. Nuts. I just you know if you're gonna. Uh, I feel like going overboard's raunchy enough. Go watch that one if you really that's need true. a raunchy one. That's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. That's or watch or too. watch funny people, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I was really, I wasn't kidding earlier when I was like, if I hadn't been watching this for a podcast, I probably just would have turned it off. Just because yeah. it was. A, I I think this is our low point, and I really yeah. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna have like trust that this is just the lowest we're ever gonna get, and. From from here on out, I can always just remind myself that it isn't this movie, and that's really mean. I know because people put yeah. time and money into this uh-huh. thing, and uh, and there are moments that are funny. I definitely laughed at yeah. various points, um, but man, it was tough. It was just tough all the go. way yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about uh, Eight Crazy Nights for whatever reason. <laughs> And I that one I had, for me, I uh, think, was still just close enough to like yeah. teenage Justin and me. I remember seeing it in the theater that it right. was like, I can do this. But that one also was tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one bottomed out. And then from there, I was just like, I don't know. I had an epiphany, which was just uh, lighten up, man. Yeah. that's. The, I haven't it's had just, that epiphany yet, but maybe that's what's going to happen. Like everything from here on out is just me recommending. Yeah. Like top 10, yeah. top 10. Which, so, speaking of, I think uh, so, next yeah. next time around, we're looking at Hotel Transylvania. Finally. Yeah, yeah. The Could whole be. reason we started this podcast. We were going to do a Hotel Transylvania podcast. We were like, there are only two of them at that point. Yeah. Can we really justify it? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Big change of pace. We haven't seen a cartoon since, since Eight Crazy Nights. Is that right? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. And it's I think been, this is the only uh, other cartoon. I mean, I think he did three of them, but... What about no Pixels? Other... That is mostly live action. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to that one, too, even though it always, like, people always shit on that, so it's probably really stupid, but... Uh, I don't know, like, 80s video games characters? That sounds fun. That sounds know. fun, yeah. Um, it's not... I think it'll just come down to whether there's, you know, the, is it a, is it just a kind of a bad movie or is it like a fundamental failure to execute on whatever they were going for, mm. which I'm not going to say anything more about that's my boy, but I feel like that was also something just like the sense that like whatever you were going for, you fundamentally failed to get it. But I think I need to lighten up and I've gotten a lot of, you know, Got a lot of feedback from viewers saying, you know, the good cop, bad cop thing's getting old. Just enjoy the freaking movie. If you're going to watch it, why wouldn't you just try to enjoy it? So um, from here on out, I'm turning over a new leaf. No more Mr. Mean Guy. I'm just going to like these movies. Uncritically. Just embrace them. Yep. A big old bear hug. 
<clears throat> Love it. So if you want to get a hold of us, um, the email for this podcast is 4aspodcast at gmail.com. That's the number four, and then the letters aspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us anywhere that podcasts are available probably by now. We're getting quite a bit of traction on the different sites, so that's happening. And do you want to send us off? Do I want to send us off? Man, I don't know. I uh, I wish I could do that uh, that impression I was doing. Here, let me listen to a little bit of the movie and see if I got it. Okay. What is he doing? It's my boy. Nice. I don't know what the hell I was doing there. It's my boy. Hibbity dibbity. You got another beer around here? <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Because it's like almost Jersey accent, but he's, yeah. he's not actually doing it. Yeah. I actually do want our uh, sign off. Your to... name is Han Solo. Come on. That's eerily good. What are you saying? <laughs> I want our sign off to be hibbity dibbity. Hibbity dibbity. I think that should just be the sign off. So stay safe, right. our, our friends, and. And then we'll count down three, two, one, hibbity dibbity. How's that sound? Okay. 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 In three. Three. Two. Two. One. one. Hibbity dibbity. Hibbity dibbity. Yeah. Glad all the children saw that. Uh, Donnie, this is Steve Spiro, Todd's boss. Well, yeah! Is that back? Because I've been dying for that to come back. What's up? Yeah! <laughs> My boy, look at him. He ain't a tight ass. What's up? <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> no! That was terrible, Todd. <laughs>